and welcome to Out on Her Fanny. A podcast about the nanny. I'm Ben. I'm Mandy. And I'm Ben. And I'm still Mandy. Yes, and I'm still Ben. Okay, you're just trying to push it back at me, so I'll I'll say something. <laughs> My turn in the turn order. No. I, I wanted I wanted you to I just wanted to go back and forth with just saying our names. I think one of the things we do, we haven't really done with this podcast we haven't done any marketing we haven't done any like brands uh, identity synergy. synergy. There's no synergizing. Do you know how many sponsors we've had? Uh, uh, none. None. So this is we have many pretend sponsors. Yeah, like uh, like uh, Gulp, the fish flavored soda beverage. Find Gulp in your local Schmongly store. Are they related to Big Gulp? No, it's just called Gulp. It's just gulp. It's just gulp. Do they got a little gulp? They don't have a little gulp. What what size are they in comparison to a regular? In twelve ounce. To a big gulp. Just twelve ounce. Just a can. Can of gulp. So a can of gulp is uh, what our open is. Yeah, we're opening with a can of gulp. That's our sponsor. But again, I think the important thing is what we need to do is really kind of put our brand out there, a capital O, capital T, so that we can you know reel in. A big sponso. Sponso. A sponso. Put it out there in space. Yeah. And get those alien bucks. Get, get those. Get that. Uh, get those globulons. Get those credits. Get those galactic standard currency units. Get the glebos. Get the glebos. Hashtag glebo. Everyone loves glebo. I I actually feel bad because uh, this is like a time that we've uh, started recording and initially you were just talking about the weather. Yeah. And then I made fun of you for talking about the weather because like that's a boring thing. But actually, I then <laughs> thought of a segue uh, from the weather. So Ben, talk about the weather for a minute. It's warm and we've turned off the air conditioning so that you don't hear the sound of our air conditioning. But I can hear the AC units in the adjacent apartments. Because of that global ward- warming. Warding? Because- the global warding? <laughs> because of that global warming, this episode is about environmentalism. Oh, no. Oh, it's a segue. Is it at least good about environmentalism? No. It's, no. Uh, it's uh, very... The the 90s kind of environmental, um, it's all about personal responsibility. It's not about big corporations. And it's interesting to see where people think that, like, uh, uh, Maggie being like, oh, use less plastic and we'll save the day. And watching it now in 2022, and it's like, no, it didn't, though. It, it, it really did not. It didn't. And it's, it's even, it's barely about plastic. It's mostly about an old, an antique fur coat. Those minks would already be dead. Yes. And also poetry, which, as we all know, will save the environment. <laughs> uh, so what episode did we watch today? Uh, also, uh, this is a podcast about the name. Oh, yeah, it is a podcast we, about we, the nanny. We did say this at the beginning. It kind of is the subtitle of our show, but we watched the nanny. We talk about it. And uh, this week we watched... It is season two, episode 12, Take Back Your Mink. And where is that on HBO Max? That would be season two, episode nine, That's if so you're close. watching it on HBO Max. Th- here's an interesting question. So one of the things that you and I were talking about earlier today is the fact that Discovery is buying or merging with Warner Media, And they just announced today that they will eventually be combining Disney Plus and HBO Max, which means it will probably get another name. I'm going to suggest Can of Slurp. I'm going to crack open a cold one. With the boys. <laughs> the only boy in this apartment is DiGiorno, and he's elsewhere. Yes. Well, so what's this Discovery tangent? So I, Discovery Plus and HBO Max will eventually be merged into one product, which raises an interesting question. 
synergy, which I know we were talking about earlier because it's a very important thing. Naturally, they're going to kind of cross-promote shows together. Hobovery Max. Hobovery Max? I thought you were going to ask me what the name of it should be. <laughs> you were thinking of a bit that I had not thought of, so you were waiting for me to toss you a, like, toss you a serve that was never going to come. Yeah, because no. you did ask, you you brought this up earlier. It's like, what are they going to call it? And I didn't have anything then, but I got, got, got it okay. now. Okay, what? Hobovery Max. Hobovery Max. Hobovery Max. But I'm thinking, I'm thinking more along the lines of like a 30 Rock Seinfeld vision thing where they take characters from HBO Max shows and put them on Discovery shows. Where would you put Fran Fine in the, uh, in the Discovery History Channel TLC? Oh, 90 Day Fionk, absolutely. <laughs> Just drop her in there? Yeah, it would be in the before the 90 days. I, I feel like at this point... It would be one of those like she would she would be getting scammed yeah. of this person who n- never never really existed except they you spend all the episodes where like this person doesn't exist she met them on a sketchy site and then you find out they are in fact a real person <laughs> and then it's kind of implied maybe this wouldn't be Fran I think actually like Niles would be one of the people that would would have that whole situation. And then at the end, at like the when they do the big talk at the end of the season, you'd be like, no, nah, I know that I'm paying a sex worker. That's what the rest of you are doing, right? I'm and they're just, like, no, we're not doing that. I'd be like, yeah, you're... But you absolutely are, though. We absolutely are. We're all just in Niles, this together. Niles is the only one being honest and open about it. Yeah. And that's fair. That's fine. So Fran would end up in a kind of a... What was the name of that guy? Williams? Uh, she would absolutely get a Williams. Yeah. Sometimes I think we should do a 90 Day Fiance podcast. <laughs> it's not, it can't be worse than doing or, a Bachelor podcast. Or Darcy and Stacey. Darcy and Stacey. Darcy and Stacey. I've spoken about Darcy and Stacey on this show before. It is the most manufactured, the least authentic reality television show I have ever seen in my life. And that is saying something. Considering what most of like Discovery's reality output is. It's <laughs> Genuinely, it is astounding how contrived that show is. I, I love, so uh, Darcy and Stacy exist because one of them, I think Darcy was on 90 Day Fionk. For three seasons in a row. Yeah, multiple times, different guys. One of them, which was like, the, this was the one that we watched and is the fakest of them. Of, was it the had, English guy, uh, yeah. Tom or whatever his name is? Yeah, Tom. Who looks like my friend Sean. Sean, if you listen <laughs> to this podcast, I love you. This looks. This is like the English version of you, but also he's kind of a shitty person, but also I bet he probably isn't. He's probably nice because it's just all contrived and fake. Apparently they were friends and then she's like, oh, maybe there's something more. So she goes to go visit and is like, I'm going to get engaged on this trip. There's no reason. She just decided that she's going to get engaged. uh, uh, And so first Tom was like, I'm going to play the romantic lead. And then he doesn't. He dumps her. And then Darcy gets the spinoff show with her twin sister. It's Darcy and Stacy. And then Tom decides I'm going to be the villain. And he just come like it's like episode two. They come and they have a meeting and he's just like, you're fat and hideous and I hate you. That comes out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. And then um, uh, Discovery Channel decides that they like Tom and now they have Tom like on the back. Like now they do a whole thing where people from the 90 Day Fiance universe. The extended cinematic universe. They will watch and comment on the newest episode. And so they started getting Tom in that. And now recently, uh, Tom has come back to Darcy and Stacey. He was on one of the talk things and 
He was like, now he's the defender. They had to like give him a redemption arc. Yeah, wow. It's truly, it is mind boggling TV because I I don't believe that 90 Day Fiance as a as a a, a series of shows, because there's a there's there's before the 90 days, there's 90 days the other way, there's 90 day fiance. Oh, there's after the 90 days. There's after the 90 days. There's 90 days uh, 90 day fiance age of ultra. Oh, there's the single life. There's this a 90 day fiance co let's just 90 days colon the single life. <laughs> Which is just at that point just people dating. There's it's ni- just people who got rejected. There's 90 day fiance versus sister wives dawn of justice. Justice. I'd actually watch that one. I think that one would be fun. But Darcy and Stacey, and I don't know if you answer, I think it's for the most part is quote unquote authentic, but there's definitely producers going, well, what if you stirred, stirred up the, the pot a little? What if you stirred some shit? Just a little bit. What if we drop this one character from your past into the show and see what happens? But Darcy and Stacey, there's nothing you... Darcy and Stacy is is it's like Kirby enthusiasm, but no one has a sense of humor. It is definitely it's like <laughs> it is filmed a very improv. unfunny Kirby, enthu- Kirby yeah. enthusiasm. And I was like, I've filmed reality television. Like I've been on reality TV show. There are if if you go back and look at like I think like season four, season five of Auction Hunters, whatever network that aired on, like ten years ago, I'm in an episode selling a fake purse. Like, that's not even a joke. I show up, I sell a fake p- fake purse, I leave. I got the bus down to Marina Del Rey to film that at the fake shop they'd set up. I didn't have to sign an NDA or anything. I didn't have to sign a contract. And they paid me 50, du- 50 bucks cash and I got the bus. Home. Why didn't you just steal the purse? Because it was, it was, it was, it was a fake fake. It wasn't Aww. even like, it was a TV fake. But like, I watched them shoot the same real thing that was happening seven times in a row. It was like a paintball fight on the roof of the building. And I was just standing by Crafty watching them like film this thing. Like, okay, I guess this is a this is what this is what we've chosen to do with our reality television. And I think here's the thing. I don't think anyone watching reality television accepts the reality of the reality television. No, I'm not there for because reality's boring. Yeah. I am leaving my reality to watch this reality. But at least the contrivance of other reality shows feels like, oh okay, this could be a thing. This this is plausible, I suppose. Darcy and Stacy is I, I feel like it's shot on green screen. Like nothing <laughs> about it. Nothing it's people in ping pong ball suits and then they just like map Darcy and Stacy and whatever villain of the week they want to map on. It doesn't the show. help that like so it's identical twins and they they have like big ex- <laughs> big extensions, big lashes. You do kind of get an uncanny valley uh, type thing with them, and it looks like they've just kind of like CGI background characters, but yeah. that's the main cast. Yeah. And the other wild thing is frequently on the show they get cosmetic surgery. So whenever they have their like promo shots for like commercials and they're standing there in slow motion with their hair blowing in the breeze, they look completely different than when they do on the show that they are promoting. You could hire two unrelated individuals and they'd be like, yeah, that's probably Darcy and or Stacy. Why not? Absolutely. I cannot tell them apart. I've watched every episode. I can't tell them apart when they are on the screen of a regular episode, let alone when they're doing promo and they have recovered from whatever surgery they've just had. And it feels like every time we watch an episode, they're moving somewhere. You notice that? And they look a little, it's also, because it's a moving target on knowing which one is which, because again, they get plastic surgery and so they look a little different. Yeah. And so it's like, oh, well, I figured out uh, that one has a longer nose. And then the next week, nope. It's entirely it's different. Entirely new different. noses. You cannot guess by the noses anymore. It's completely different. It is. It is the 
fucking Buzz Lightyear Island Toy Story 2. And this is, I want to, I want to acknowledge, this is their choice. They're doing the plastic yeah, surgery. They, are, they are clearly very into the way that they look. Yeah. Like, they have done it on purpose. Good for them. I cannot tell them apart, <laughs> and they're making it. It's like very hard challenge mode because they keep moving the target. I do feel like the last two years has really made it difficult to read faces because of masks. And it's ma- they are, I think, making it harder by having a different face every 12 to 16 minutes. You know what I love about this? Uh, this I, could I, just be the podcast. This could just be the podcast. Also, I tried to uh, do a segue so we could talk about the episode and we could uh, name <laughs> the episode everything. And then you were just like, no, I want to talk about uh, Discovery yeah. Channel. I want to talk about the Discovery Channel, which led organically I want to, to say what I learned on the learning channel yeah and I learned that I cannot tell Darcy and Stacy apart in part because of partial pandemic induced face blindness and the fact that they are constantly like doing the John Travolta Nick Cage face off thing <laughs> I think that's what they're doing at their surgeries at this point they're switching their faces yeah that's and that's the that's the fucked up part because I think they may actually be doing that <laughs> Ah, uh, I would happily do a Darcy and Stacey podcast because it's it is the most bonk. When I listen, when I say when I say it is a reality show with absolutely no reality, no, I don't mean that in the way of oh, all reality TV is like that. It is pure. It it is artificial to the nth degree. You can tell that they are not actors because they're doing the like. Oh wait, I just got a call from this person it sounds like they're reading off of a script for their actual day-to-day lives that doesn't it's and the worst thing about the script does not exist i love it it's so much baffling television and i cannot get enough of it but that's not what we're here to talk no, about no we're, we're here to talk about the episode take back your mink should we actually talk about the nanny yes okay let's do it The other thing about Darcy and Stacey <laughs> is that is is they they, they did that thing where they, they told their dad we're gonna have a double wedding, we're both gonna marry our fiancés on the same day because we're twins. And then they have a talking head of the dad saying, if they have a fucking double wedding, I'm going to kill myself, or something to that effect. Like he was just so done with their twin bullshit. He was so done. He made the twins he's, and he hates them. He's the only person that I genuinely believe is real on the show because he <laughs> does not want to be there, but it is paying his mortgage. Yeah. Or he's getting 50, ducks, 50 bucks per appearance. Or 50 ducks per appearance. Who knows? I didn't get. I got paid $50 to uh, sell a fake handbag on uh, Auction Hunters. Auction Hunters. Are they hunting for auctions? Because I feel like there's a th- that you can Google that. We talk about the nanny here. <laughs> we talk about the nanny. Do you think Fran has ever? Fran Fine's done a okay, reality show. So we start <laughs> off. Fran and Niles are oh. in the kitchen. Fran just got a new magazine. And there's a good bit where she's just flipping just, through the magazine only for the perfume. She's sniffing samples. all the perfumes and she's saying the names and then like oh, embracing the magazine to absorb the scent. And then she gets to Mel Gibson, a timely reference that will never age poorly. And she is like all uh, rubbing him onto her 
I'm like, that's gonna, that's fine. And then she turns the page and it's Bill Cosby and she rubs the, mag- no, this is awful. But Niles is like, oh, I guess Mel Gibson has a perfume. And she's like, nope, just horny for Mel. Just real, <laughs> real horny. Speaking of horny, Gracie has, hamsters or guinea pigs? The hamsters. Hamsters. There's two hamsters and she has named them Miss Fine and- uh, Mr. Mr. Sheffield, her father- <laughs> Mr. Sheffield. Could you imagine just naming uh, naming a hamster? What a fucking power move. (laughs) I have named the hamster this tiny creature that I decide the fate of, that I choose whether he lives or dies. And I named him after you, Daddy. And not even not your first name. No, 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 no. Me and this hamster are not on a first name basis. (laughs) No, we're not that close. No. This hamster's name is Mr. Sheffield. That is what I think of you, daddy, daddy dearest, father of mine. It's it's once again a nod to the fact that uh, Gracie controls the universe. Yes. Yeah. And so she's just kind of flexing her powers and making sure that daddy knows that she can also lock him in his own tiny little cage and forget to feed him for I a couple I will say weeks. this. I will say this. What if Mr. Sheffield is the original Maxwell Sheffield who didn't meet her expectations. Oh, that's daddy. That's first daddy. Turned him into a hamster and then replaced him with another ham- another dad who looks exactly the same and who won't disappoint her. <laughs> that's it though, right? I mean, that's clearly what's happened. How many how many times have they done? This is the second season, but how many times has the second season happened? Four. I mean, we, we, Cozy repeats it like once a week. So <laughs> here's the other thing as well. The hamsters are fucking? The hamsters are absolutely fucking, but that's not what was going to be my point. My other point was for me, so so Darcy and Stacy have these fucking huge cars. No! no, I was kidding. That was actually good. No, so we on the, I don't know if you visit our website. It's just a place where you can listen to the podcast. You're probably listening to this in a podcatcher app like Podcaster or Google Podcasts or Apple or whatever. Spotify. Spotify. Don't go on Spotify. Spotify. We pay Joe Rogan too much money to be terrible. Um, so we, on our website, whenever when a character appears on an episode, we tag them. Are we going to have to create tags for Mr. Sheffield and Miss Fine? And how fucking confusing is that going to be, tagging future episodes? I think I think Gracie let them die. I think that this was just her power move of just having hamsters and then just showing them daddy. Because this is also a big theme of this episode as we will go through. It's about like generational conflicts and uh, parents and children having different ideas of the world and how those can kind of conflict. And Gracie already has that covered because she has the threat of putting her dad in a box and shaking the box. Chester Merfield wakes up one morning. He goes to the bathroom. He's going to have his morning shower. Morning shower, refreshing. He's going to be ready for the day. He's going to step in the shower, have a shower, get out, get dressed. He's ready to go. He steps into the bathroom. He hangs up his towel. He pulls the shower curtain aside, and there, wet and furry, laying in the shower, is Mr. Sheffield, upside down, not moving, cold, maybe smelling slightly like a packet of prawn cocktail potato chips. And he gets the message, and he knows, and he turns and he looks to the door, and through the thin slither of doorway from where he closed the door behind him, but not all the way, he sees... Giant hamster. No. <laughs> he sees he sees Gracie and she just looks unblinking and then slides out of view. And that is that is Chester Meffield's reminder. He better not disappoint her the way her previous daddy did. Ooh. Submitted for the approval 
of the SCP Foundation. <laughs> a little girl what turned dad into a hamster. <laughs> little Gracie. Little Gracie. Uh, anyway. Uh, she ha- had style, she had flair, she had hair. <laughs> tiny hamster. Anyway, they're fucking. The hamsters fuck. Yeah, the hamsters fuck. You probably shouldn't get a boy and a girl. I'm pretty sure the pet stores won't even sell you a boy and a girl hamster. When you've got Maxwell Sheffield money, they'll fucking sell you a boy and a girl hamster. I'll tell you that. (laughs) These are some illegal hamsters. These are not above board hamsters. Uh, And they're fucking. Brighton is delighted to point out the fact that they're fucking. Uh, Fran is uh, wanting to push it away. I'm like, no. And then they make jokes about how Mr. Sheffield does not adequately satisfy. There's a lot of sex jokes. Yeah. Okay, kids, go bring Miss Fine upstairs and give her a chew stick. She's not satisfied. The other thing about Darcy and Stacy is neither of the husbands particularly want to be there. That's something that I, I keep coming to. Like, they very clearly do not want to be there, but they also know that, oh, this, this is a real... No. We had a no. TV show as a gravy You're train. You're going to be a hamster. You can't hamster me. I can't You hamster can't hamster you. me. I ferret. That's what you say to the last Benjamin. Oh, no. Don't like that threat. What was the last Benjamin Australian? Uh-oh. Don't like that face you're pulling. It's a great face for Pod. <laughs> it was North Benjamin. North Benjamin? North Benjamin. Where's North Benjamin from? The North. I don't know what, Canada. what areas are North. You just, whenever you say someone has an accent from like, oh, they're from the North and I have no idea what you're talking just about. Just up. They're from the North. <laughs> yeah. Hey up, I'm Benjamin. Welcome to Out on a Fanny. Hey up, welcome to Out on Fanny. Yeah. The podcast about the nanny. Yeah, that. Hey up, lad. Yeah, that's how previous Benjamin talked. That Fran Drescher, she sure has big hair, don't she? Yeah. Yeah, that's, the, that's, that's, that's North Benjamin. We do get an establishing thing of Fran goes back to being excited about magazines because when it was a free sample, it got hairspray. And then Maggie comes out of oh, nowhere. Yes. And she's like, how dare you use hairspray? Uh, it's toxic and it's bad for the environment. And, and then Fran says, this, this is the 90s. This was 30 years ago. It's fine. Yeah. Fran was like, I was a hippie once. Or I cared about the environment once, and now I care about my hair. Yeah, and Maggie also makes that comment of like, "Oh, you were you were a hippie and like an environmentalist in the '60s." And Fran stabs Maggie in the <laughs> face with a knife. It's gruesome and grim. That's why the first Fran got hamstered. Yes, yes, but then uh, Gracie does the nose wiggle thing and uh, restores. Maggie back to her previous state, but she still has the memory and she still remembers the pain, but she can never talk about it because this is Gracie's world. It's like Elmo's world, but uh, more blood. <laughs> I like, we, we have a combination here of, we got the WandaVision, but it's also a little like melancholy of Haruhi Suzumiya, the fact that she's God. And also with the, with the, with the blood um, and the remembering, like having some memories of your previous uh, iteration it is kind of a Higurashi thing, and I'm really digging that as well. I agree with all of the words, and I understood them, too, is another thing. I think that's important to know. So we've been recording for 27 minutes, and 28 minutes, and we've definitely spent more time talking about Darcy and Stacey. So yeah, I think we should just want- pivot. No. <laughs> opening titles? Yeah, we got okay. opening titles, and then... Uh- Did you know the weird thing about the cold open? No music coming into the cold open, and no music coming out of it. It was just, it just starts. Yeah. You notice that? No. Okay, just me. 
Yeah. We come out of the cold open and Fran is going into Chester Meffield's office to talk about how sexy she looks in her outfit because she's trying to recreate what the hamsters are doing. Yeah. Chester Meffield's like, yeah, good outfit. We'll make cousins jealous. And come to find out that Fran is uh, a dress for the occasion because there is a funeral. Uh, Cece has a lot of comments on this outfit because it's just an all black outfit and be like, this is very toned down for you. And Cece is like delighted by this idea that Fran could wear all neutrals. Yeah. Were you headed a funeral? (laughs) As a matter of fact, I am. My great aunt Mima Faker. She was 104. Then she looks at the camera and she says, please, don't turn me into a hamster. <laughs> Maggie also comes into the office. Yeah, she wants to do this thing, this all night poetry she, thing. She wants to go to, yeah, an all night poetry reading to help the environment somehow. It is a it is a very like the, what are, what's the South Park gnomes? I can't remember what. what oh, the underpants playing. gnomes. The underpants yeah, it's, gnomes. It's, it's read poetry, question mark, question mark, question mark, save the environment. Yeah. And so this this entire episode frustrates me again because we grew up in this kind of like you need to take responsibility and like per- it's all about personal responsibility to save yeah. the environment like only you can throw your recycle your trash like yeah do your shit but it's a personal responsibility to the point that it neglects the actual people that yeah. are causing most of the damage which includes hey Maggie you're from a very rich family there's a lot that you actually could be doing yeah, you got that money. isn't, uh, instead of convincing your dad that you want to go to this all night poetry reading with this uh, random guy that we don't see that isn't our beloved Jimmy Marsden so he can go die in a fire. His name's just Mark. Yeah, fuck Mark. Is Mark the the person who lives in uh, Yetta's, not Yetta, Sylvia's building? I don't think so. Is this some other guy? Yeah. Because this episode was written by Fran Drescher. So I wonder whether she was going to pull from a previous a previous barrel. No, I do. Oh. I do know. Like, there's like a uh, when the nanny got put on HBO Max. There was like a, all of these like stuff talked about, and this was one of the episodes that Fran called out as like one of her favorite episodes. Mm. Like, oh, we went there. We were really early talking about like the environment and like fur and doing this very progressive episode. And it's not really. It's one of those things where. Part of the reason why, like, save the animal stuff yeah. goes very far and is very popular for like Hollywood people to talk about is because it's it's easy and uncontroversial to be like that animal's cute. We should save it, yeah. and not going into any difficult things yeah. such as, hey Maggie, instead of convincing your dad to go to this poetry thing, convince your dad uh, to spend money on reform on reforming. All of these things. You live in this super ass rich house. Stop yelling at your nanny for using hairspray. Yeah, that's like the lowest tier of saving the environment that you, a rich, you know, a trust fund kid, could possibly have gotten involved in. Yeah. Wild. This this whole personal responsibility thing that you've touched on so beautifully. Did you know there was a, a, a McDonald's video game for the Sega Genesis called Global Gladiators? There was a McDonald's game about two kids named Mick and Mac who get sucked into a comic book. And when they're sucked into a comic book, Ronald McDonald tells them, you've got to clean up all the garbage. There's garbage. You have a super soaker full of slime and you're going to shoot monsters made of garbage and save the environment. And there's a mini game. If you collect enough bonus M's from the McDonald's arches, 
that you can try you can try to knock litter into the correct recycling receptacle. McDonald's made this, and they made a game about how l- recycling and cleaning up litter is your responsibility. This is the same company that made a burger that you had two halves in two separate styrofoam containers in the 80s, <laughs> and you had to open each container and combine the burger how you see fit. This is McDonald's. This is this is the company that is responsible for arguably the most litter in the world. And they're like, no, maybe you should pick that up, piece of shit. Yeah, it's, it's make a video it's, game about it. It's your fault. Yeah. It's your fault, bitch. I uh, want to hack that game now and put Fran in it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so Maggie wants to go to this stupid poetry thing, and she thinks that it will save the pandas or whatever. Uh, <laughs> Pandas fucking love poetry. In Chester Meffield's defense, he is at first, like, he's confused, but he's like, okay, whatever. Until it's, like, an all-night thing. Be like, what the fuck do you need to be doing all night for? No. Why? No. Don't do that. Read a shorter poem. (laughs) And then be home by curfew. And she's like, the the environment needs saving 24-7. He's like, not with poetry. The only way that poetry has ever saved the environment is people being so bored that they leave and then they're not all standing in the same spot farting a hole in the ozone layer (laughs) that's it yeah there's a lot of ozone layer talk in this episode uh maggie storms off in a huff and then there's like a ha ha this generation and they're caring about the environment Um, millennials always texting uh, Cece also has some ivory tusks uh, for yeah. just holding. I think because uh, Fran does a thing of like, oh, well, I care about the environment as well. Not like other people. And then we go to Cece, who is like just gleeful. Just and like holding tusks. Yes. That were FedExed, apparently. <laughs> Seven elephants died for this. I know it's two tusks. <laughs> but they accidentally stabbed three more elephants just trying to get them out when they yanked it they they accidentally it was it was actually it was kind of like a three stooges thing oh, where they accidentally like they yanked, it, they yanked it too hard and they stabbed the elephant yeah. behind them every time they turned and around then, they killed another elephant yeah like and then they were trying to get it off and then the elephant just like beat the other like it like stomped over a baby not even a, a baby elephant just <laughs> just just and baby just and baby yeah that cute little poacher in Kenya. And here I thought you'd had your wisdom teeth pulled. Oh, look, those tusks real? They looked re- I mean, maybe it's just kudos to the prop, prop masters on this episode, but they did look I like... Don't, I don't know enough about what tusks look like to authenticate Oh, them. we're going to have to watch that Kevin Smith movie. No, we are not. Oh, I've seen it. I have not seen it. It's okay, is it good? It's fine. It is, it is an interesting novelty of a movie that, because like you got to listen to the podcast where they conceive of this entire movie and then actually seeing the movie. It's more interesting in terms of that, mm. of getting to actually see someone conceive of a premise of a thing and then getting to see what that actual thing is. Yeah. Does it really work on its own? Not really, but it's interesting. Okay. I have no interest. <laughs> uh, so Cece opens the box and she's got a copy of Tusk on Blu-ray and she killed seven elephants and for she it she killed seven elephants for it the elephants really wanted the tusk and she beat them to it literally beat them to death with their own tusks <laughs> poetic justice all night poetic justice apparently um, Niles makes some crack about uh, Cece having, having had her wisdom teeth out because that's what the tusks are <laughs> and um, 
I guess we go to a funeral or we go to after a funeral. So we're in C- Sylvia's house. Yes, we're at Sylvia's house. And you were very upset because yes. you can talk about you're upset with this scene. Yeah, I feel like it's upsetting. It's upsetting to me personally in a way that I didn't think it would be that Maxwell let Fran use Maxwell's Maxwell house for Sylvia's 21st again birthday. But... For this great aunt's funeral, it's, well, you can go to your own fucking apartment. I don't give a shit. You did, oh, did you lose someone? Oh, did you have a family member die? Where, where, where? For go the fuck home. Like, okay, <laughs> Maxwell, that seems callous in the version of that scene I've just made up in my head that probably didn't happen. Yeah, in fairness, they, so they have the uncle and the cousin who were in the previous episode when Fran was pretending that she was married to Maxwell. And, it's a season one episode, right? Yes. And Niles pretended to be Maxwell was a whole yes. thing. And the Butler Association. Also yes. Uh, Julian Bashir's dad was there. <laughs> so it could also be a thing of like, well, we don't, we don't want that. That was a whole awkward thing. But I do, I will give them credit for like, oh, you got the same cast back of like this additional family yeah. people. Um, and they're all gathered around. They're talking about the funeral. And Sylvia is mostly interested in the will. And specifically, who got the fur coat? Yeah, there's a lot of talk about this fur coat. It's genuine. It's a genuine fur coat. She slept with it more than she slept with Oscar, who is not her husband. And th- there's a lot of a lot of coveting happening in this room. Everyone everyone wants this coat. So then the scene is, and this is kind of weird, at least from my interpretation, because I've never actually been in a situation where I've had to listen while a will was being read, because uh, nobody puts me in their fucking will. But so I only know it through. TV stuff, but typically there's like a lawyer and they're all in a room together. This isn't that. They're like, they're reading a copy of it after the fact. Yeah. And they're going through and they're saying who gets what and all commenting on uh, whether or not they wanted it. Uh, Sylvia is doing a very like us versus them of like that side of the family versus this side of the family. And then they finally get to the fur coat and Fran gets it. Fran gets the coat. And she doesn't want it because everything that because everything that Maggie said to her earlier has really stuck with her. She she wants to kind of reaffirm to Maggie that she sticks to her convictions. That she's she wasn't just a flash in the pan activist in her youth in the seventies. That she still cares about the environment today. She won't accept the fur coat. Her mother gets very angry about this. Yeah, and she's like, "This is it." Like, this is a very nice fur coat. Fran's like, oh, I only wear faux fur. I was like, that's because nobody's given you a real fur because those are very expensive. They are valuable pieces. Like, they are an heirloom item. And partly, and this is where this episode frustrates me, is because fur is going to last. It is going to be, like, a useful coat for generations. That is why these are generational items. And it's going to keep you warm. It's going to continue to be useful it will outlive Fran. It's already um, outlived the her, Minx. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and I mean that this is a, it's outlived the Minx, the, given the life expectancy of a Mink, probably. Fran's faux fur will also outlive Fran, but not in a useful, like, generational way. Yeah. It will fall apart. And because it is plastic, uh, the cheap plastic that she eventually tosses um, is just going to damage her environment and won't biodegrade at all. Yeah. Um, so it's not it's not an item that she could pass on, but it will be something that ends up in a landfill and will kill more animals than the actual real fur coat ever did. Exactly. Uh, Unless the fur coat is responsible for great aunt Mima's death. <laughs> did she, Was she swaddled by the coat? Was she suffocated by the coat? Did the coat choke her to death 
What exactly was Darcy and Stacey's dad's main objection to the yeah. twin wedding? Because we know that he didn't like it. We know that he didn't want to be, be part of it, but like, is he just done with twin shit? Like, obviously he's had to deal with that for like their entire lives. <laughs> have you ever, have you ever felt mink? I mean, I felt sad earlier, but I've never <laughs> felt mink. Uh, my old art instructor in high school, she had like, she just called it like the still life pile and it was mm. this giant pile in the back of the art room. And it was just stuff. And part of it was just like, Bullshit, like you could either paint uh, like the actual still life. Yeah. I did a project where I actually just sat in the still life and I, I drew everything that I saw outside of it. Interesting. But it was a bunch of stuff that she got from estate sales, yeah. including she had a bunch of, uh, she had a couple of the mink stoles. Mm. And it's the ones that like even just had the little guy's face on it. And then you like clip his face onto his tail and then have it. And I would just sit and wear that in class. It was like, <laughs> this is the only time that I'm going to like be able to wear a fur like this because there's no generational furs in my family. And not only do I think that I will never have the money to buy one, I also, I have no need for one. I don't live in cold weather. That is not something that is useful to me. But there is an appreciation that I have for these things. Yeah. Um, that I feel like, particularly in the 90s, it was all about like, no, fur is, fur is unconscionably evil because you have to kill these animals. But also we are going to talk about and kind of reference how hypocritical it is. Like, we will eat the meat, but wearing the fur is bad. Um, like, where that line is drawn yeah. is uh, kind of weird and hypocritical. Yeah, having a fur is murder rally outside of KFC seems a little... Yeah, and it's it's to me it is a a thing of like saying like oh wear faux fur and don't wear real fur and be like your real fur is probably better for the environment than your faux fur yeah. will be. And honestly, it's you don't really need either of them. But if it's something that is an heirloom, yeah. or it's like something that you get from an estate sale, like it already existed, keeping that thing in that way. There's no new fur that needs to get made. There's no new faux fur that needs to get made yeah. is the best option. Yeah. But you can't even do that now because it's it's things like this have so heavily demonized real fur that you yeah. can't you can't be out wearing real fur, even in the situation of Fran's uh, kind of thing of like this was something that I inherited yeah. and I just have and like this is something that I'll have and maybe pass on to somebody else. You can't do that because bullshit episodes like this. Yeah, it's it's done. It's done more harm than good. Yeah, and it's it's all about the appearance of doing something good. Yeah, it is it is the poetry reading for the environment <laughs> rather than give us your goddamn trust fund so we can actually reform. Yeah, into I don't think I don't think this episode. I don't think the writers of this episode realized the commentary they were making in having the two environmental acts in this episode be. I don't want to wear a fur coat and I'm going to say poetry for the environment. That's it, it is an accidentally appropriate combination. Yeah. It is an entirely different episode. And I want to like, the, this is a complicated episode. This is a more complicated topic than I would expect a sitcom to be able to do. I can't solve all of the issues of global warming. No, but have I, you, I mean, question is, have you tried? With my recycling? I mean, no, let's just talk about it. Let's spitball it now. How would we solve let's, let's solve global warming. We can do this. We've got some time, right? Uh, I mean, there's like a list of like 200 uh, uh, people who are uh, contributing the most 
like the vast majority, like 99% of pollution. Okay, cool. So you take 100, I take 100. Yeah. Yeah, problem. That'll do it. We can do that in a night. (laughs) Boom. And with this episode, we're now on several watch lists. Yeah. Like, it is a complicated issue. I don't have a solution to that. I trust there are solutions to that. And... This is leaning into the thing of like, oh, it is just a personal thing. It's just you need to stop using the hairspray and you need to go to the poetry reading. Like, that's not what it is. Personal responsibility can only go so far. Like, yeah, it helps. You don't don't fucking litter. Don't do that. And like reduce the amount of consumption that you actually have. But that is not even a dent into what the actual issues are. In much the same way that you haven't really made that much of a dent in the episode that we're watching. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, Fran and Sylvia argue. They get to the point where they do that thing where they go into the kitchen. Yeah. Which is often like it's all in this open uh, area. So everyone can see them as they're just arguing with one another. Um, just about like why Fran won't take the coat. And Sylvia being like incredibly insulting to her that Fran won't take this family heirloom that was gifted to her and is kind of an example of like, oh, here's how this relative cherished you that you got the coat. Yeah. No, when when she came to this country, she had nothing. And then she had the coat that she won on the Price is Right. Yeah. And they do the like Fran points out like, oh, she didn't buy that coat. She won on the Price is Right. And to me, like, oh, that makes the coat better because it's not even like it was something of like, oh, she she bought the coat and now you feel bad of like why did you spend money on this coat yeah she literally didn't spend money on it she just got it she enjoyed it you live in cold weather so you will actually get use out yeah. of this coat it's it's practical yeah it's nice it's a nice luxury item that is also practical yeah a luxury that is also practical those things are rare like a house yeah and a mink coat end of list <laughs> <laughs> well what about a mink house that's yeah. that seems pretty practical you've been living a big mink and the mink is alive and it takes you places and you have adventures. So that's what that's what Gracie actually did to her second daddy. Oh, okay. So Chester Miffield is the third daddy? Yeah. Okay, that's terrifying. Um, so Sylvia and Fran have kind of a falling out at the end of this discussion. And it leads to breakfast at the Chester Miffield Maxwell house the following day. Where Cece kind of invites herself to breakfast before Fran gets there. Hello, hello. Oh, Cece, care to join us? Well, is there enough? No, Niles. <laughs> well, it's just that you know how I feel about her eating inside. There's a lot of fun, wacky jokes about how Cece's a dog and she shouldn't be eating indoors. And uh, Gracie uh, does come uh, with Mr. Sheffield and Miss Fine and announces that Miss Fine is pregnant. Miss Fine's having a baby. What? what? Who's the father? Why, Mr. Sheffield, of course. <laughs> But yeah, Fran... Um, oh, Cece also does a delightful spit take. Um, oh, right on Gracie's face. Like, right in this little girl's face. And was like, oh, this is why uh, that actress did not enjoy being in this yeah. show. How many times she did they have to there. take that? Yeah. She should just be there while this large woman spat on because her. best case scenario, best case scenario, it happened twice because they got the first take with no flubs and then they did a second take for safety. Yeah. So minimum two. I don't care how much you like Lauren Lane. I'm sure she's lovely, but I wouldn't want to be spat in the face by her. Yeah. I also, I want to make clear when I call Lauren Lane a large woman, I mean, in comparison to a small child like Gracie, where Lauren Lane yeah. is very tall. Yeah. And there's this big old woman who just spits on her. Yeah. 
I don't think we talk about often enough just how beautiful a person Lauren Lane is. Like, genuinely gorgeous. Yeah, she's, 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 very, she's very pretty. There's a reason that she was like a gay icon for a considerable amount of time in the 90s. Yeah. And for me now. And for you now. She's your now. gay icon. But not for Gracie. And they even, uh, they cut to Gracie's reaction. And that is just uh, a small child who, be- bewildered and sad that she has just been spat on. Yeah, it's not great. This is a point where she's like, between takes, like texting her agent, being like, you gotta get me off this fucking show. <laughs> uh, Fran is uh, not speaking with her mom. Nope. And uh, Sylvia ends up sending the coat to uh, the Maxwell house. Yes. And Alice picks it up and Fran is like, I don't want this disgusting, very, very soft, lovely coat. And she's like, totally has slipped on oh, and put so on the coat. Oh, she's so comfortable so happy in this uh, coat. Because it's a good coat. Yeah. And she's even appreciating like, oh, this satin lining, it is so well made. They don't make things like this anymore. Which she's pointing out because she has only ever worn cheap faux fur coats yeah. that probably fucking fall apart. And like... Then becomes something that she dumps, and then she is done worse for the environment than just this wearing this one coat that would last for so much longer if she would just have that coat. But then Maggie comes, and Maggie is betrayed because Fran is wearing the coat, even though Fran said that she didn't want the coat. Oh, Maggie's like, you used to be cool, man. You used to be cool. I thought you were a cool. I thought you were a pro. And it turns out you're just like everyone else. And she spits in Fran's face and she stomps on Fran's feet and she shoots Fran with a gun. And Gracie comes up and be like, we can turn them back into hamsters. And then all of the co- all of the, the minks in the coat And then the episode just restarts. Yeah, it's weird. It did kind of loop back. It, it, it's weird that it was like there were like these flashes of black and these pained expressions and just Gracie's face looking into the camera with like eyes that were just white with no irises. Yeah, but it was actually very instructional because they then it's just a tangent of Gracie just showing how to care for hamsters. Yeah. It is a little weird that sometimes when she would show, like when she was uh, clearing out the cage and then she would pick one of them up and you could just hear Fran Drescher shrieking. Yeah. Um, some blood curdling scream. Yeah. Um, but then it, it cut, and there was a lot of useful tips, actually. A lot of useful tips. A lot of useful tips. I do think that she probably should have wiped down the counter that she had the the uh, the cage on, because it was dripping with blood. And I do think she could have just, just for sanitary reasons, just like wiped it down first. And then the episode starts again, and we go through everything, blah, 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 blah. Fur coat, fur coat. Have the fur coat. I don't want the fur coat. I hate you. You're, you're a bad example. And so we get back to where um, uh, Maggie's kind of talking about how, how much of a disappointment Fran is. And this is where Fran has the idea to approach Chester Meffield and butt up Chester Meffield up because Sylvia has always trusted him, has always liked him, has always believed in him. So maybe he has the power to convince Sylvia that, you know what, Fran doesn't need the fur coat. It's fine. It's good, actually, that she doesn't want the fur coat. Just convince my mother because she's always believed in you. Now, no, she fucking hasn't. No. But for this episode, of course she fucking has. Reality is what you make of it in a sitcom. I mean, it's mostly because this is a later shows around of Fran wants a buffer. Yeah. And is going to play up Chester Meffield's ego in order to make yeah. him do the buffer. And then Chester Meffield realizes, oh shit, I have to be the buffer. Because Niles is like, well, this should be an interesting dinner, sir. Miss Fine and her mother not speaking. Miss Margaret not speaking to you. That will leave the bulk of the conversation to you and Sylvia. And Chester Meffield is like, well, fuck. 
And then Cece comes in and apparently she needs to go pick up her grandfather, I believe. She needs to pick up her grandfather from the airport. But Chester Matthews like, no, let's do dinner. And Cece was like, yes, I will abandon my grandfather. So long, elderly relative. Hello, dinner with the man I have wanted for more than two seasons. Yeah. And then Chester Matthews was like, oh, well, actually, Fran and her mom will also be there. And Cece was like, no, I no, I hate this. Uh, but then Chester Meffield does the Fran thing of being like, oh, but Sylvia has always loved you and Sylvia, thinks that you're yes. so great. Sylvia loves your hands. Like, where do you, where, you, you must tell me the name of your manicurist because Sylvia was talking about how, how beautiful your hands are. And suddenly Cece has decided Sylvia is her best friend. Yeah, this is a bit that actually kind of makes me sad because we've had that episode with Cece's father. Yeah. And uh, Cece acts here very similarly to how she acted with her father. Yeah. And it's clear of like, oh, you didn't get a lot of parental affection. So you were constantly looking for that. Because yeah. you immediately get like any kind of like positive attention that you get, you immediately kind of ping and like trying to get more of it. And it's like, and that is why you have spent this long chasing after Chester Meffield. Yeah. Uh, and that is why your life is sad. Yeah. Uh, because of this, he's your dad. I know who hurt you. So Cece agrees to uh, the dinner with Sylvia. And- Do you know what's weird? Is her calling Sylvia Sil? Yes. Not Sylv. Not Sylvia. I feel like that's a very like upper class thing mm, for her to yeah. do. Of just like immediately jumping with the, with the intimacy of it. Yeah, you're probably right there. But yeah, Sylvia arrives... And this, like, her and Fran immediately start bickering. And Cece is, like, so happy to see Sylvia. There is such a great it's, thing oh where she's, like, she's talking to Sylvia and, like, showing her hand. Almost like the way <laughs> that you would if you want someone to, like, if you've got engaged, you want someone to come on your ring. But it's just but on But trying to make hands. it, like, very, very casual. Yeah. There's also a, there's a great scene of Cece being like, how, why do we never hang out? And Sylvia explains. <laughs> Because when you saw me eat a chicken, you had to take an Advil. The mental picture of what it is. It makes it because it can work either way of is it Cece is like so upper cross that she can't watch like a normal person eat food. Or is it the fact that like, how did Sylvia eat this chicken? What did she do? Just inhale. The chicken was still alive. And it's also the kind of thing where, like, I cannot picture Sylvia eating the chicken because it is a nightmare. But I can absolutely picture Cece, like, wide-eyed, shocked, gritted teeth, like, popping Advil. Yeah, like, H.P. Lovecraft, eat your heart out of the unspeakable terror of Sylvia eating chicken. Sucking off the skin of a rotisserie chicken and then just sucking off the meat and then sucking up the bone gnashing and wailing screams from passers-by watching as she devours this chicken feathers everywhere like what a what it's 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 so few words but it conjures such visual in your mind that you kind of collapse in with it a little bit you finally you understand why gracie has control of this reality Uh, because someone needs to rein things in (laughs) Uh, and Chester Meffield is kind of silent and like, can I also be a hamster now? <laughs> I don't want to be here anymore. Gracie, uh, Gracie looks in terror at uh, the one force she cannot control in her world. <laughs> I think Syl- Sylvia's like the uh, the uh, Agatha Harkness 
of the of the wand of the Gracie's Wonder Vision. Just this nightmarish creature that put, keeps plastic on the couch. And you know what? I bet Gracie. You know, remember the episode where they got snowed in when they were going to go on vacation? I bet Gracie wanted the vacation. Sylvia stopped it. Yeah. It was Sylvia all along. Yeah. <laughs> I I don't even know. Like this was, we kind of already mentioned Sylvia and Fran. They reach a point in the argument where you're no longer just bickering with each other. You're actually just stating, "Here is why I am frustrated, and here is why yeah. this thing that you did hurt me so much." And Sylvia is like, "This is a representation of our fa- of our family. This is how hard we have struggled, and now we have this thing, and you're just." Uh, chucking it off and treating it like an insult. And yeah, there's the joke that it is the price is right. Yeah. Uh, that's still an achievement. There. That, yeah, know? that's an achievement. That is a that is a, an interesting story. That also, again, lessens the blame of being like, oh, my family bought a fur coat. No, you didn't. You didn't. You were you given one. It. Someone else would have been given that fur coat. It's yeah. fine. They were going to give it to somebody. Yeah. And it was your family that has struggled a lot for things. Yeah. And then they got a fur coat. Be happy yeah. with the fur coat. But Fran is like, I don't, this isn't part of my life. This isn't a thing that I want to have. But she does eventually agree to, yeah, she will keep the coat. Even if she doesn't wear it, it is just something that she can have. It's an important part of her family's history. And she realizes her, not not just the bullshit environmental ramifications of having a very old fur coat, but also what it means to her family. And that's that's kind of where they, they meet in the middle. And Sylvia brought the fur coat with her. Yeah. So, so Fran puts on the fur coat and uh, Maggie sees this and goes, you know what? I don't mind if you wear the fur coat because we've only got two minutes left of the episode anyway. <laughs> so it's fine. Hey, dad, can I go to that poem thing? Even if you say no, it's okay. I will respect your decision. And Maxwell says, no fucking way. And she goes, well, fuck you, you old dick and storms <laughs> off. It was she's, so good. She's so angry. And it's at the point because like they, it again, they do this mirroring thing of explaining like why that is an important thing. And then Maggie's. Yeah. Uh, taking that in and you would think that this would be a bit where Maggie would be like here's why it's important this is a place where I'm learning and it's not like yeah it's poetry stuff we also learn of like here's more activism that we can kind of that we can do and kind of build up and find those resources Um, this actually could have been a really good place for her to like talk about more about environmental concerns and kind of shoehorn that message in a little bit more but in an organic way yeah but it's not because it's it's bullshit. Yeah. You don't need to do an overnight poetry reading for the environment. It turns out poetry brings whales back to life. <laughs> That's all they need. Just a, a few well-placed haikus and we can make we can save the humpback whale, Dad. With you know what? If we say enough poems, you know when Star Trek Four happens, they won't need to travel back in time because they'll just be whales. They'll just be whales, Dad. She's trying. That's why she's actually into the environment. She's just trying to prevent. She's Star trying Trek to prevent 4. Star Trek Four. And Max was like, "Well, Star Trek Four is my favorite one. You're not going." <laughs> she's more Dad. Star Trek Five's the best one. He's I, she storms off. I hate Spock. <laughs> <laughs> Wrath of Khan's bad. That Khan and Khan and Kirk are never even in the same room together. They just communicate over the view screen the whole time. That's true. Uh, <laughs> um... <laughs> And then we cut the credits. Except with the credits have uh, it's, it's remember that meta commentary thing where they were talking about I think what was that NS SNL skit a few yeah. a few episodes ago. This time they're they're talking about 
a soap. Is it Days of Our Lives or? I th- I th- it's some. Um, it's something. Because they're talking about. Because it was the soap that Charles Shaughnessy was on. Oh, okay. Because yeah. they're talking about his character. Oh, okay. That's I didn't. Who I didn't realize yeah. that was what they were talking. Because uh, Chester Mayfield looks at it and is like, "Oh, that uh, that fake British accent." Yeah, because because Sylvia Yetta and Fran are talking about how the show hasn't been the same since this one particular character left, and it's the character that Charles Shaughnessy played, uh, and he left the show to do the nanny. Yeah. So they're talking about how the show hasn't been the same. Since since he left and Maxwell walks by and says oh he auditioned for me once you know with that phony English accent which is hilarious and also plays into the conversation we have whenever we have a guest on the show we ask them whether Niles or Chester Meffield is the authentic English accent and even he doesn't think it's, <laughs> he's the real one no. it is great which, and then you told me an interesting thing about you that this is a this is a personal thing for you Go on. I don't remember this, but go on. Oh, you, you told me about the 4chan thing. Oh, the 4chan thing. Yeah. So when I was doing Port Center, for, I don't expect everyone listening to the show to know my history, but I used to do a YouTube show called Port Center. It's it's surprisingly good. Oh, thank you. Uh, I don't. The early stuff is rough. The early stuff is very rough. I think I share interesting information, but I'm trying too hard to be an edgelord. And it's... It, I don't yeah, think you that, uh, did... The early stuff hasn't aged well. Yeah, you you were some bad gamer at one point. Not, yeah. not true. Not... You... By the time that notoriously bad gamers were a thing uh, for the event that I'm not going to name, <laughs> yeah. uh, you were already out of that. Oh, is oh, my I was under- done, though, yeah. Is my understanding. Yeah. But you did have a period of being a shithead. Oh, yeah, I was definitely a shithead. But, but Port Center, I think, was a good show for the most part. And there was a thread on 4chan. I was, I'm not on 4chan. I've never been on 4chan, but someone alerted me to this thread on 4chan from, about people talking about Port Center and specifically talking about how fake my accent is. My accent. Mine. Yeah. Which, I mean, I get because you've also talked about the fact that your accent has become very Americanized yeah. in the way that you speak and particularly the rhythm of your voice is very American now. Yeah. Which makes it seem like it is an American doing an English accent yeah. and just kind of adding the accent onto the way that an American would speak. Yeah, I have I have an English accent with a Southern California delivery. Like I frequently end up with inflections. Anyone who's listened to this podcast or any other show that I've done for any length of time we will probably be able to pick up on certain LA SoCal ticks and deliveries and ending on upwards inflection and sometimes a little bit of vocal fry that um, is more typically associated with a, you know, the accents that you hear in Southern California. And it's by virtue of the fact that I've been living here for 15, one, five years. Of course, some of that, that rot is going to set in. Yeah. And you, you talk entirely differently yeah. when you're in the... Oh, UK. yeah. I, I talk entirely differently when I'm talking to family on the phone. You've heard my accent yeah. shift when I'm talking to my sister. Or if you've done drugs. Or have done drugs. Oh, and I'm drunk or high. The same thing used to happen to my dad. He would get more British the, the more drunk or high he was. Yeah. Yeah. And there was also the, I just remember the one time you were high and it was, it was Orange Wednesdays. You were Orange Wednesdays. Orange oh, Wednesdays. No, I remember thing. this because I was, it was painkillers because I was having a really rough time with fibro. So I'd taken this very strong painkiller and I think I'd taken, did I take one or two? You took one. I took one and I just went on a little journey. And this journey led me to tell Mandy, love of my life, apple of my eye, jewel in the crown that is my existence, about Orange Wednesdays. Now, if you're English or have lived in the UK or lived in the UK for any point in the 2000s, you probably know what Orange Wednesdays is. It was a point where if you were, if you had a mobile phone with the carrier Orange, you could get basically two for one, I think, on movie tickets. Or maybe it was just a discounted price. And those, those were called Orange Wednesdays. And I remember the ads for them. 
Uh, it was celebrities pitching movies to orange executives who were also actors. And uh, um, apparently I got high and talked about Orange Wednesdays for eight calendar years. Yeah, you did that. Um, you complained because a Jollibee cup was on a <laughs> dresser and you thought that it was too far up. I thought it was funny that it was high. Yeah, you it thought was it, elevated. Yeah, it was elevated. And you thought it was very funny, and then you got mad at it, and he was like, "No, it's too, it's too it was up." On the top of the bookshelf, and then it was on something on the bookshelf, like a jar, like my candy jar or something. And then I decided, no, I don't like that anymore. It's too far up. Yeah, you refused to look at it after a while. Yeah, it upset me. Also, it was the first time you ever talked about wanting to marry me. Oh, yeah, I remember you telling me about that. I don't remember saying it, but yeah. I'm sure I did. Because you were high, so it wasn't anything that I was going to take into, like, a serious, like, oh, you're going to, ma- we're going to get married. But it was like, oh, so, like, when w- you were soberly, when we would discuss the kind of thing of, like, what we saw in our in our future, and you were like, oh, I'm not, like, I've considered considered marriage. Like, when you start that conversation, like, yeah, hi, you already told me all this yeah. information. I think the other thing about Darcy and Stacy is whenever one of the twins, like they try to manipulate or control their fiance no. and then the fiance pushes back and then Darcy and or Stacy turns get, them into a hamster. No, they get upset because oh, what, maybe they don't love me anymore because they're not letting me control them. But they're not <laughs> saying those words, but like, anyway, what did you think of this episode of Darcy and Stacy? <laughs> It's not an episode of Darcy and Stacy. Uh, it could be. Like, the beats are there. The beats are there. <laughs> um, like I have said, I ha- I take issue with the premise of this mm. episode. And the idea of this being a progressive thing, I think, has a lot of trappings that I don't think that they necessarily take. Like, kind of the not- responsibility politics of, yeah, there's of the time. Yeah, there's not a lot of thought kind of put into this thing and it's it feels very like pat ourselves onto the back again this is something yeah. that Fran even talks about now of like we're progressive because we did we did this episode on fur being bad and I don't really uh think that they're going as far as they think that they are and it's like I'm not gonna yeah. pat, I'm not gonna pat you on the back for that but I do really like this episode. Yeah, it's fun. I um, particularly of talking about a family thing and a generational divide mm on how we think of uh, this stuff. Oh, also, we did skip the last thing of CC ends up buying the fur coat. Yes, for a hundred, for $10,000. Yeah. And, and like, that's the actual last thing a friend decides that she's going to keep yeah. the coat. CC sees the coat and she's like, this is the most gorgeous coat that I've ever seen. I'll give you $10,000 immediately. Uh, right now. Uh, Fran is like, no, this is a family heirloom. And Sylvia is like, no, sell the coat. Yeah, um, which is a funny about term. Yeah, yeah, but it's also, it makes sense because it's like, okay, we've brought up that this is just like a fun story about like Price is Right. It's, it is an heirloom, but Sylvia is also the type of person to be like, nah, you can like, t- 10 grand is also good though. Do you know how many Fran Fine appropriate jackets you can buy for 10 grand? Yeah. Three. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was something of like, this is a thing of value that you are uh, yeah. treating like garbage. Yeah. treating like an insult to even have but taking 10 grand for it that is understanding the value of it yeah so i i enjoyed this episode in terms of like what that kind of family yeah that family struggle is it's something that i like i can kind of feel for of i don't think necessarily either of these people are wrong i think fran is slightly slightly more wrong or at least like 
misguided, but misguided in a way of everyone in the 90s was misguided because they were like, we're just going to demonize this thing because it's easy to demonize this thing rather than like talking about the rest of the issues mm. of everything else. And I don't I've I've come into a weird place of being like, yeah, firm, like not the, the fur industry as well as most like meat industries, any kind of thing involving like animal stuff is shit. Yeah. But also most of the like your farming uh, industry as a whole, like your plants are also like your your veggies and stuff like that are also shit. The issue is capitalism. Yeah, capitalism's bad. Yeah. Money is the root of all evil. Money's the root of all evil. Sam the eagle. (laughs) Like it's all general. Like that's that. So when the episode tries to go into that stuff, I'm not a big fan. Like it's kind of it's of its era. I think very much. Um, but there is a good family story here that I really enjoy, and there's a lot of very funny moments in it. So I enjoy this episode. Absolutely agree. I I think the environmental politics of it have aged poorly. Because they are very, very entrenched in again, because in the in the kind of responsibility politics of environmentalism in the mid nineties, and it's it's a frustrating thing, and it's even escalated of the person who's pushing that is Maggie, and like this rich white woman is telling her nanny, the woman who works beneath her, how she should be living her life. Yeah, that's rough. Yeah, and it's the thing of like, oh. The environment is up to you, Fran, specifically. Not me, the rich person. Not me with the actual, like, economic... Money and influence. Yeah, with the like, the economic influence to actually be doing something. Yeah. And, like, granted, Maggie is a teenager. She's not in control of her finances. That is not a thing that she could do anyway at yeah. this point in her life. But the gall to go to her... To basically an employee... An employee yeah. And be like, no, you uh, only you can, can prevent forest fires. Yeah, <laughs> fucking Smokey the Bear. And yeah, I, that's that's it's frustrating. Yeah, but I but you're right that like the family story around it is is strong. The jokes are strong. This is another episode that Fran Drescher co-wrote with her at the time husband, and it's an enjoy. It is an enjoyable episode. It's very '90s because of the politics. But the character beats are good. The jokes are good. It is an enjoyable 25 minutes of television. I think it's like, I agree that it should be on like lists of notable nanny episodes. Not for the reason that it actually ends up on the list. Because it ends up on the list because it's like, we did this progressive thing. Environmentalism. (laughs) No, that is bad. Ooh, speaking of capitalism is bad, our next episode is The Strike. Fran and Maxwell's disagreement over crossing a picket line becomes a very public affair. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. oh. Uh, talk show host Sally Jesse Raphael guest stars. Wow, okay, this is a very 90s episode. I didn't know that, I, I didn't, I, I'm going to learn from this episode who Sally Jesse Raphael is because I only know them as a joke whenever they need to list three names <laughs> and people would list Sally Jesse Raphael yeah. as just three names and it's a ha-ha yeah. and I never understood why that was a ha-ha. And I oh, it's guess two I'll women f- and a ninja turtle, yeah. I guess I'll find out yeah. why that's a ha-ha. It's going to be Healy Haas. Yeah, even we got Sally Jesse Raphael. Like it would air on, air on daytime TV in the UK. Uh, yeah. Did you know that? Also, oh, along those same lines, did you know there was a British version of Jerry Springer? It was called Jerry Springer UK. 
They didn't even build a new set for it. They just used the set of another daytime talk show in the UK. But who hosted it? Jerry Springer. Okay. He just came over and did it for a bit. Oh, he would come over? They yeah. Did, like, I, I thought that they would just, like, film, uh, uh, like, an hour in the studio for the US version. And then it's like, okay, from, like, uh, one to four... We're doing the US and like five to seven, we're doing the UK. No, they shot it in the UK. They shot it on the set of Trisha, which was another daytime talk show that was hosted by Trisha Goddard in the UK, who appears in Shaun of the Dead. Fun fact. Um, but enough about that nonsense. That's not what this podcast's about. Jerry Springer, Trisha Goddard, no. This podcast is about the nanny and you, listener. Thank you for listening to us prattle on about Darcy and Stacy for the last hour. If you like the podcast, if you enjoy what we do, do please let your friends and family know. Uh, talk about us. Uh, spread the word. Itty bitty independent podcasts like ours live and die by word of mouth and we would certainly appreciate yours. You can find Out on Her Fanny on social media as at Out on Her Fanny on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and the website is oofcast.com O-O-H-F-Cast.com. Mandy, where can people find you? Uh, people can find me at Instagram and Twitter and Facebook at Mandy Quesadilla. Please don't find me to tell me about uh, how fur is bad or to PETA at me. Please don't PETA at don't, me. Please don't PETA at Mandy. Please, or me for that matter. Please Please don't PETA at me. I get, I've done an alcohols. I have, (laughs) I've mentioned fully, I am not the solution's problem. I just think Maggie is maybe not the solution to this problem either. Do at Mandy, W slash R slash T, who Sally Jesse Raphael is. (laughs) Yeah. And if you have any clips on the British version of Jerry Springer, absolutely send those to Mandy as well. Mandy would love those. Uh, I'm at Ben Padden on Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook. And I think that's pretty much everything. Am I missing anything? All right. Well, there we have it. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Out on Her Fanny. A podcast about the nanny. I've been Ben. I've been Mandy. And yes, we We do do know know it means means vagina. vagina. mention that uh, um, Mr. Sheffield and Miss Fine's babies were called Brighton, Maggie, Gracie, and Cece, but Fran ate Cece. Fran did eat Cece. That was fun. <laughs>